0: up to $100. Just visit prizepix.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. picks daily fantasy sports made easy.
1: 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Saturday night. I guess at least we should say as of right now starts at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Who knows what could happen over the next for eight hours or so, but of course we're here to break this one down for you. Over the next hour, we are sponsored by Prize Picks, and I will tell you, I was over at Prize Picks a little earlier. Death taxes, Kagan win by decision, Pete. I'm already going to tell you a little teaser out there. That significant strike prop on Chukagan is too low. I'm just throwing this out there right now. You might just want to go to price Picks right now if you're in a state that can play price Picks. I know, Pete, you're not in a state that you can do that, but if you are, I'm just telling you. We'll talk about it later, but I'm smash that over. I can't let you cake in. But of course, as always, I'm joined by the fighter, Pete Rogers Jr. Good afternoon, Pete. How you doing, brother?
2: What's up, man? How are you? Um small card, late start time. Two things I hate about the UFC cards. I wish I like earlier fights and I like the big cards. So hopefully we don't lose anything for the weigh-ins, but uh quite the different card, con- you know, in comparison to the last week's card with a ton of different fights, ton of different underdogs. Um, I'm interested to see where you lie in some of these matchups.
1: Well, oh man, you can't stay up past ten o'clock at night.
2: No, it's not that. I mean, like, I, I don't want—I don't have to be watching all the fights while I'm at work. Like, I want to watch them beforehand, and like, get you, I get you. Seven thirty start for prelims. Like, my goodness, going to well, drag I'm, it out. It's just—it's too late.
1: True story. Last weekend, I was watching the UFC pay per from my hotel yeah. room, <laughs> and I passed out during OSP yeah, exactly. and, and show good. That's understandable, though.
2: I was just—I was literally just gonna, you know, call you out on that, but uh, I thought that you for sure passed out in that that co-main event. But uh, you know, the OSP Shogun Hua fight was pretty horrible as well. So it, it was just a weird night.
1: I'll tell you what, you know, and, you know, talk about last week, I thought one of the biggest takeaways in the fight I really enjoyed was the Chaos Williams and Randy Brown matchup. Uh, The adjustments that Randy Brown made after the first round. I mean, both those guys took some amazing shots. I I love the corner work from Chaos Williams after the second round where they basically just say, do you want to go win this fight or what? Yeah, the cor- I feel like that coach should have been in the corner, of Rose Namajunas.
0: Yeah,
2: right. I mean, or Trevor Whitman just should have had more of a voice in that corner. But uh, I don't know if anything could have really made Rose fight a different game plan. I I, th- I do think that the first defeat to Carlos Esparza was in the back of her head, and she fought super safe just enough to win rounds, and it was just a weird situation. But, uh, yeah, the Chaos Williams, Randy Brown. Randy Brown looked better as the fight went on. Rounds two and rounds three looked really good. Um so, you know, still got hit with some big shots and got dropped. But, uh, you know, he, he definitely showed up for that matchup. And, you know, he looked good in an underdog spot.
1: Literally, you text me as I'm, you know, have, have a drink in hand. That Cerrone and Lozone is off. And I won't say the word that I typed to you because we try to keep it family friendly here. But uh I was like, son of a... Mm-hmm. I was like, well, they went half my lineups.
2: Yeah, I had 58%. so uh, and I still ended up not for for betting I I did great but for um, DFS I ended up almost breaking even so with 58% of your lineups done before lock it was uh, it it was pretty good to basically recoup some of my money
1: yeah I mean of course uh, those two underdogs last week that they came in Macy Chieson uh, scoring 106 points CJ Vegaro scoring 83 points you had those two together you were going to Cash some lineups there. And of course, uh, Lupago Godinez was the My slate God. breaker of 129 points. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just the, the stats on that one, eight takedowns, a plus 127 strike differential, 13 minutes of control time. I spoke to her earlier this week on my podcast and, nasty, uh, she, uh, you know, she kind of, uh, she admitted to me, she was actually, she thought that, uh, Carlos was going to be a little stronger than what she was. Uh, but man, she went out there just a, a dominating performance, what she's able to do there. But of course we're here to break down UFC Vegas 54, going to be headlined by a light heavyweight Matchup. You got the former champion Jan Bohovic taking on the rising fighter and Alexander Rakic. 8,700 for Rakic, 7,500 for Jan Bohovic. Of course, this was a fight that was supposed to take place uh, back in March at the Columbus show. Now moved back here uh, due to uh, Jan Bohovic needing some more time to recover from an injury here. Um, this is a one-on-ones, and if you checked out our video over Odd Shopper, I think you kind of know our, our thoughts on this one. But, you know, I, I think that in terms from a, a GPP aspect, I don't really love this main event in, in terms of GPPs. Um, I think I do like Rakic to win this fight. I, I just think that, you know, he's catching Jan Blachowicz at the right time. But I do think that if we are going to be backers in GPPs of Alexander Rakic we're going to be sweating this one out. I just I do have a little bit of a concern on the price point.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a main event where I feel like this could be an underwhelming performance for either one. It could be more of a uh, methodical type of fight, uh, slower pace in a slower pace fight with, you know, their ground games somewhat canceling each other out at times. I I do think that either one of these fighters can take take their opponents to the mat. But I don't know if they can really hold them there. I don't know if they can get, you know, land multiple takedowns. you know, I, I think that this is a possible buy-low situation where Jan Blahovic prices seventy five hundred for being the former champ. You're talking about value. Yeah, for sure. He's going to be popular because it's a five-round bout. And if it's a competitive fight as we think it's going to be, a sweat, then uh, you know, why not take some shots on Jan Blahovich and have him a part of your lineups? But with all that being said, I do like the youth, the athleticism of Alexander Rakic. I I like that he can land takedowns as well. And I like the he has power similar to Jan Blahovic. So I just think that he might be the better fighter in this situation. This is a step up in competition, though, uh, going from Tiago Santos um, and Anthony Smith. Two solid wins, but uh, low-volume wins And uh, in an Anthony Smith fight. You know, you, you definitely saw that he's ready to take on some of these top t- uh, top contenders, but the fight before that, he'd lost a split decision to Volkan Ozdemir. So... If Volcan can create a game plan and go out there and beat Alexander Rakic, can Jan Blahovich, And that's why I think everybody's going to be you know, targeting Jan Blahovich. But with all that being said, I do like uh, Alexander Rakic. I don't necessarily like the price point of how I think that this pacing is going to go and also of how close I think that this fight's going to be. I, I kind of thought that this would be like that 83, 8,400 range for Rakic. And that would have made a little bit more sense. So I'm still favoring Rakic in the bout. But with that being said, I'll be split exposure and maybe even capping some of my exposure because I feel like it could just be a dud as far as like GPPs are considered.
1: Yeah, when when we're talking general roster construction, my thought process game theory for Saturday slate is there's two other fights on this card that I feel like we have to prioritize because of the fact of, I think, high volatility in -hmm. both those matchups where I just think that. When we talk about what fights are going to be optimal, I will tell you I think co-main event is one of those fights I think will be optimal. Another fight, and we'll talk about this fight later on that I believe is gonna be optimal, is the Frank Camacho and Manuel Torres matchup. Those are those two fights are gonna really be fights that I'm truly prioritizing on but of course before we get into that co-main event uh be sure to uh hit that subscribe button, hit that thumbs up hit that notification bell so you know when a show is live here on the awesome youtube channel of course if you're not also a plus member you want to get a little peek what's behind the paywall today today's free premium data and tools are mlb player rankings nba player projections pga player rankings and nhl player rankings i'll definitely be uh put my nba lives together once this uh show is over last night was not a was not a friendly night for me i uh had way too much golden state warriors last night so that could probably tell you why it was not necessarily the greatest night of me is because uh yeah that game was over in the third quarter you know, oh, man, did not see that one come. But uh, if you if you did not watch the Bucks and Celtics game in that fourth quarter yesterday, man, that, that was an amazing game if, if you missed that one. But uh, the co-main event, Ian Kutalaba and Ryan Span, And I, I feel like both these guys, I think when we, we think about some of your thought process with both of them, by the way, price point on this one, nine hundred for Ian Kutalaba, 7,300 for Ryan Span. There was a time with both of these guys, I think that you probably didn't really have a lot of faith of them. And if the fight got out of the first round, uh, especially with Ian Kutalaba, he's shown that his last two fights go in decisions in both of those. Ryan Span pretty much has been a guy, he's a boom bust type guy. Um, you know, he had that Sam Ali fight that he wanted decision in, but that was a very disappointing performance for him. Uh, but, uh, you know, I guess the question is, cardio-wise, who do you trust more?
2: Well, I trust Kudalaba. I, I definitely trust Kudalaba a little bit more. I mean, that his output and pace is just pretty amazing for the division. Um, he's He had some defensive flaws in his game, and I do think that he's starting to fight a little bit more methodical. The output and pace is something that I really want to get behind. So against Dustin Jacoby, he attempted 19 takedown attempts. He landed nine of them. Um, previously against Devin Clark, he attempted 12 takedowns and landed eight of them. So I really like that strategy, especially his price point, 8,900. Now, my one worry is how dangerous uh, Ryan Span is early on. He hits really hard. Um, With all that being said, he also has a sneaky guillotine. And whenever somebody's shooting tons of takedowns over and over and over, if they get a little bit too excited and overextended, that's when a guillotine could definitely be Snatched up, so I am going to have some some cheap plays with Ryan Span at 7300. But I am actually like going to be largely having some Kudalaba shares. Like I, I think that he has some of the best pound for pound value on the slate. If he goes out there and, and just survives that round one, he can knock out Ryan Span. He could submit Ryan Span, and I think he might even take him to Takedown City. So he has excellent ground and pound, um, and I, I just feel like he's the more well-rounded three round fighter, you know, like Ryan Spann looks awesome early on and then he really tapers off. So, uh, big, big guys, anything can happen in light heavyweight or heavyweight, but I like the price point of Ian Kutalaba, 8,900 and the, the stats back it up. He has a higher output and just the takedown potential. I mean, he's averaging four takedowns per 15 minutes. That is like music to my ears. Just survive the big right hand, survive the guillotine attempts. And just pass and, and constantly work and outwork Ryan Span. And uh, we could have ourselves a Kobe Covington type of performance here.
1: Yeah, you know, I feel like if this if you tell me this fight's going to hit the second round, I, I love Ian Kutalaba more. But I mean, obviously, Ryan Span is going to be dangerous. You know, in multi entries, I want to take some shots here mm-hmm. on, on Ryan Span. But I do like Ian Kutalaba to win this matchup. Next up, we've got Davey Grant taking on Louis Smoker. Davey Grant, 9,100, 7,100 for. Luis Smoka, of course. Uh, David Great comes in this fight uh, with back-to-back losses. Those losses against Chito Vera and Adrian Yanez. And on the other side, uh, Luis Smoka coming in on a loss. Luis Smoka has, has always kind of been an up-and-down up guy.
2: Yeah, he definitely has been, and he's been a fighter that I feel like a lot of players, including myself, were always intrigued to get some sh- uh, some shares of Luis Smoka because of uh, just I don't know the the pace of 125 pounder. Now within this division, sometimes you can outwork your opposition, uh, attempting takedowns at a high rate. I mean, there has been, there have been fights where he's attempted 10 takedowns. That's going back sometime against Chris Cariaso and Neil Siri. Um, but like high takedown attempts is what I would recommend in a situation in, in a matchup against Davy Grant, especially when you just got, you know, knocked out pretty bad against Vince Morales. And he's coming from Timo Oyama which is like a, a strong methodical camp working with good minds surrounding him. So it's like, all right, if I'm his coach, it's grapple at all costs. Let's test Davey Grant's cardio. Let's also test his defensive wrestling and grappling. And let's avoid getting hit with a big shot because the longer that this fight plays out on the feet, the more I think Davy Grant knocks him out and knocks him out in pretty bad fashion. Because if Vince Morales knocks you out and hits you with one big shot with good follow-up shots, What I've seen from Davy Grant in a war against Adrian Yanez, in a competitive bout against Marlon Vera, and then not even taking into account his two knockouts prior to that against Martin Day and Jonathan Martinez. I never saw Davy Grant being a guy that is still in the UFC in 2022, truthfully. But uh, the power that he has is something that I think we have to respect. So this is a nice matchup for him at 9,100. I like him. Uh, to win by by KO. I definitely do. I, I think that if this stays up and he can defend a takedown, Louis Smoke is going to get hit and dropped. And Smoke has been dropped numerous times throughout his career. So that is a definite path to victory. And we, we could have a nice round one KO for Davy Grant. So I'll be sprinkling just a few Louis Smoke lineups in case he does go to that wrestling game plan, as I would recommend. But uh, it's Davy Grant for me.
1: Yeah, and of course, uh, he got dropped in his last fight there against Vince Morales where he got stopped uh, in the first round and a uh, little little teaser for you. Uh, the fight time on, in this matchup is another prop bet that I do like over prize picks. We'll talk about that uh, later on in the show. Then we got a female matchup, Kaitlyn Chukagan taking on Amanda Hebos. Kaitlyn Chukagian, she is 8,600, 7,600 for Amanda Hebas. Look, I said I, I said on Odd Shopper. I said her on the show. Death, taxes, and Kaylin Chukagian win by decision. I mean, it's, it's, you feel pretty good about it. I mean, look, it's, it's an interesting move to me of Hebos moving up uh, in this match. I mean, one thing is, I mean, when you think of, when I think of Kaylin Chukagian, I think of a fire that's going to throw a ton of significant strikes, but she does have a very good jujitsu game. You just don't see it a lot.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I I think that Chukagian via decision is like, it it goes in that category of, somewhat safe bet because if history repeats itself, then, you know, this could be a similar situation because Amanda Hebos is a competent fighter. Like she's, she's good. I don't think that her chin is all that, all that great, to be honest, especially when we saw Verna Janaroba test that chin and hurt her. Um, and then prior to that, Marina Rodriguez knocking her out. So uh, I do think that moving up a weight class might actually hurt her. And because you're going up against mm-hmm. Caitlin Chukagian, one of the biggest fighters for the division, one of the longest, um, she's going to look like it, you're truly going to be able to tell the size discrepancy here when they face off. So I'm back in Chukagian pretty heavily. I like the price tag, and I know that usually we don't like getting to Caitlin Chukagian part of DFS because it's like, yeah, you know, Penciler in 65, 75 points. I do think that there, there is some upside here. Um, she could knock down Amanda Hebos. We have seen her get rocked, as I mentioned, but I think that the the takedowns are are tricky here as well because Caitlin Chukagian, she'll probably be the stronger fighter of the two. And I do think she has a sneaky ground game, not
3: necessarily like Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad, unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice, Samsung, more wow than ever. A superior jujitsu game
2: to Amanda Hebus, but I do think that she's the better wrestler. So. I I think that she could put together a complete performance and at 8,600, you don't need a lot, especially if this looks like a low scoring slate. I'm gonna I'm going to get to Caitlyn Chukagan quite a bit, to be honest. And uh, I'm fine with it. If she was in the nine thousands, I probably would say no. But I, I feel comfortable with her getting a win. And sometimes, you know, DFS scores surprise you. So this could be one of those weeks. So I'm gonna be over the field on Caitlyn Chukagan, despite how everybody's got a little hesitant.
1: Look, I like Caitlin Chukagan to win this fight, Pete. Yeah. But, you know, I, I do have this G, this uh, DFS theory on her, right? What's that? Friends don't let friends. Let them put Caitlin Jukagian in their GPP. Well, levels. I hope
2: nobody plays her because I'm going to play her. So I mean, I'm just going okay. hope that she has a high-volume fight, mixes okay. in some takedowns, maybe even knocks down a Mandy He-Boss. Watch her get her first finish in a very long time. I will March, oh, March man. 19th,
1: 2016.
2: Hey. That's okay. I mean, it's not like a, a likely outcome, but it's still possible, especially somebody I, who's chinny.
1: It could very well be a leverage play. I I totally get you on that. And, and by the way, when we did our odd chopper video, Kucheg Kuchagian via decision was plus one thirty. Money's already coming in on that line. It's now plus one ten. I mean, look, plus four fifty, Chukan wins by TKO KO.
2: I yeah, I'm I'm saying for a fighter who's so known to go the distance. I saw her KO prop and I said, Vegas doesn't trust he chin. And that's why I'm going to use Chukagian as a leverage play because that,
1: it, it has it, to be one of the better TKO props for Chukagian in a long time.
2: Yeah. And it reminds me of a couple weeks ago. Um, well, what was his name? I, I will, I will remem- remember who I'm thinking of. And it's a Christoph Jocko, same fighter, always goes the distance. His KO prop was, I think, at a pretty similar. It might have even been better than that. Might have been like plus three hundred or something like that, which was kind of odd considering he's so notorious for going the distance.
1: My, my uh, co-host on my podcast, he said, he goes, "Could you imagine if Jukagin and Jocko were on the same fight card, and you just did a two-fighter parlay of both them the win via decision?" Oh
2: yeah, my, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. that's super safe money. I mean, if if you put them both via KO. And, and partly the props, that you probably make ten grand off her dollar bet. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not a likely outcome, but I'm going to be using her as a, a leverage play for sure.
1: Yeah, I would much rather potentially get her in cash, but I do understand where you're coming from mm-hmm. of getting Turk as potentially a leverage play. Of course, get all the access, to all the great Awesome Plus tools and content for nearly every DFF sport out there with an Awesome Plus weekly pass. Of course, this gives you full access to everything we got going on over at AwesomeO.com, including player projections, ownership projections, lineup builder, so much more, including that top fire tool, which is a tool I use every time when I'm developing my MMA lineups course. If you're just looking for MMA DFS pass, you can sign up for also awesome plus. MMA weekly pass, so start as low as two ninety five weekly. Of course, Fantasy Cruncher is an add-on. It can easily be added to with these packages at checkout, but not including our base packages. Stop guessing. Start winning. Join Awesome-O Plus today. Of course, that top buyer tool is key for me. And, uh, of course, you know, I do the NASCAR shows here. That top driver tool uh, is really key for me as I'm developing my lineups and, and figuring out how maybe I want to get a little bit different from the field you know I mentioned earlier uh, there are two fights on this card that th- I believe you have to hit on to be at that other one is Frank Camacho as he is going to be taking on Manuel Torres Frank Camacho first fight in over two years uh his last matchup he had to pull out because he was involved in a car accident uh he uh I actually talked to Frank about two weeks ago you know and I asked him about the you know the injuries of saying in that car accident He said he goes he goes luckily he goes you know, banged up my shoulder, but overall, you know, walked out of it fairly uh, safely. Uh, he's 7,900 here, 8,300 for Torres. I mean, obviously there is a, a massive difference when we're talking about experience between these two guys. But when I think of Frank Camacho, and this is why I believe that this is a fight that we have to have some priority on is the fact of he can be a wild man in there and he he's going to throw some leather, but also there are going to be openings for his opponent to potentially take advantage of.
2: Yeah, I'm really torn on this fight, to be honest, and uh, I'm going to, you know, in a little bit defer to you just because I want some some insight for Frank. Like, it's just a tricky situation because, you know, Frank brings it, and then, you know, he also leaves himself open so much where a talented striker or a talented fighter can take advantage of it. And I don't think that Justin James fits that bill, but Justin James kind of came out hot where... You know, Frank Camacho was was coming out a little lethargic at times. Before the fight even started, it was over. So, you know, 7,900, This, to me, seems like a sneaky GPP fight, as we mentioned. Like, pretty similar to that 8,200, 8,000 fight, where they tend to make it into the optimal lineup because it allows a ton of roster flexibility. That's the case here. But this seems also like a volatile, somebody's getting knocked out type of fight, or it's going to be a high, high-volume fight on the feet. So... I'm actually going to favor Manuel Torres. And it's just because like, I don't know. I I think that I'm just going to favor the fighter that obviously hasn't faced the tougher competition, which is usually the opposite of what I do, because I, I like, you know, backing the vets, the guys that have faced top competition. They've had to deal with adversity. There just seems to be with Frank Camacho. I have like this bad feeling about like backing him heavily here. So it will be a split exposure fight for me. But Manuel Torres, a guy with zero on his box score because he hasn't debuted in the UFC yet, could be flying under the radar a little bit against a guy who has been in wars and with the correct game plan could actually be a slate breaker. So I'm going to be picking Manuel Torres from everything I've seen. And I don't really put a lot of stock into that performance on Dana White's contender series either. Like that was just a weird situation, but I'm going to favor Manuel Torres in this matchup. And hopefully you can give us you know, some insight with Frank Macho, see how he's doing, how he's feeling, all that good stuff.
1: And, and typically you're a guy that doesn't yeah. really love backing fighters coming in off the contender series in their UFC debut. So when I talked to uh, Frank about two weeks ago, you know, asked him about the structure of his camp because he does split his time between his, uh, his home in Guam and in California, Team Oyama. So he spent about the past three or four weeks, at Team Oyama, and, and basically, Kano Oyama and Alex Perez are the one who uh, handle his camp. Um, and so uh, when he's in Guam, he, he's in constant communication with Alex. About what he's doing, how they're preparing for a fight. So he's been there, um, you know. Talking to Frankie, he, he seems to be in great spirits, um, you know. But uh, th- it's it's a volatile fight, I think, no question about it, because there, there are openings that he puts uh, in there. I mean, this is one of those things. I think that you have to be split exposure. If you say you're playing a single entry. And I go one way or the other, I would go with I would still side with Frank because of the of the veteran and mm. the fact that he's just been in there with, with tougher competition. But I, I think this is a, a lineup. If you sit there and said, Hey, you're gonna play 20 lineups, you know, just you're playing at 20 max. I probably want to get to about 30 on each side of this one.
2: Yeah, I mean it, it makes a lot of sense. And if you if you look at Manuel Torres, his two defeats are both via leg lock. So Frank Amato comes out there and tries to test that jujitsu of him. Then you could see maybe a path where, you know, the, the full skills are on display, but Frank, even in his own record, he's been, you know, submitted and knocked out. And this, this is why, like, I would probably play the under, if you're looking for a bet under two and a half is probably pretty safe. Um, But yeah, I'll be picking Manuel Torres, despite my usual judgment of backing the guy who's the vet.
1: Yeah, no, I'm. Uh, I, I guess where you're coming from there. Uh, next up, we have got Jake Hadley taking on Alan Nascimento. Hadley 8,800. Nascimento 7,400. Here, uh, Hadley's UFC debut, missed weight on the contender series, but still mm. got uh, this opportunity. Uh, big favor here, undefeated fighter. Uh, what's, your, what's your thoughts on here uh, on the uh, fighter making his UFC debut?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that he brings pressure forward. Um, I think that his hands are okay. I think that, you know, he throws kicks to the body as well. His strike is okay. Um, where he really dominates his opposition is when he he's able to, you know, take the back of a lot of people and uh, able to land a takedown and be the superior grappler in certain matchups. And this is a tricky fight because I do think that Alan Asimento is better than what his record shows in the UFC. Um, you know, he's all in one in the UFC, but also losing on Dana White's contender series to Holly and Paiva, where that seems like it was a war uh, split decisions in both of his defeats. And I feel like this is a situation where I'm interested in the underdog. Uh, I know that Hadley has good ground control when he's in a, you know, obviously in a superior position, but I do think that the jujitsu of Alan Nascimento can somewhat negate it as long as he's not comfortable off of his back losing minutes. If he's comfortable off of his back, then you can just book, you know, Hadley in there for a, a thirty twenty-seven. But on the feet, I think that Nascimento is going to compete. Um, the jiu-jitsu factor; he might be a better grappler than some of these fighters that Hadley has faced in the past. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get to some Nasamento at seventy-four hundred just because of the unknown surrounding Hadley. And uh, I, I like the fact that Nascimento has been a part of a strong camp, training with Charles Oliveira. Um, you know, even Alan Patrick, those guys down there, they're they're put together with some strong Muay Thai and sneaky jujitsu, and they spar really, really hard, which is, I think, good in a way. Um, and they do a lot of little glove sparring, which I think is even better. Doing a lot of little glove sparring and you know, using the MMA gloves to really get used to, you know, striking and grappling and ground and pound, it's it really simulates a fight more so than big glove sparring. So I'm going to be backing Alan Nascimento, and uh, it's a fight where I could see Hadley if he gets in superior position, wins a decision. Um, but I-, I need to get to some underdog, so I'll be backing Nascimento here at 7,400.
1: Adley is one of those fighters that is one of two fighters on this card that I'm really interested to see what they look like on the scale after you yeah. we miss weight. Um, the other one we'll talk about later on is Carlos Candelario after what happened the last time. But uh, I, I understand why, you know, potentially you want to get to the underdog there. Of course, we are sponsored by Prize Picks to get one free month of also a plus platinum when you sign up and deposit. And play over at Prize Picks. Of course, uh, be sure to use that promo code OSMO for an instant first match deposit of up to $100. And there are two props that have stuck out to me on this one. First off, under the Significant Strikes category, Caitlin Chukagian, 65 and a half. And look, all you got to do, go to UFCstats.com. Just click on Kaitlyn Chukagian's name and then just go down the column of Significant Strikes. Nearly all of her fights, she lands more than 65 strikes outside of the fights so that she's been stopped early in the fight. I mean, look, I think this fight's going to go 15 minutes. I love the over 65 and a half there for Kayla Chikegui.
2: Yeah, I can't blame you. I, I think that that's nice. Hopefully, he blasts his chin, can hold up. Uh, but if she can hold up, then, yeah, the over is there all day.
1: I got I to go with the trends of history, man. Got to go yeah, with the trends of history. Absolutely. Uh, And then the other one that that stuck out to me is the fight time on Davey Grant 10 minutes. I don't think this thing's gonna hit the third round. I I like the under there.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I think that's an interesting spot. And um, I mean, a smoke is able to survive 15 minutes on the feet with Davey Grant. I'd be really surprised. So I would say the under as well.
1: Of course, be sure to check out our friends over there at PrizePix, the sponsor of the AwesomeO.com MMA Strategy Show. Of course, get one free month of AwesomeO Plus Platinum when you sign up, deposit, and play over at PrizePix. We'll get an email within 24 to 40 hours of how you can manage of that offer. Of course, uh, be sure to use that promo code AwesomeO to get that instant first match deposit of up to $100. And uh, I always say this on the show, when you see a prop on a Thursday, you really like... You got to pounce on it. You got to bounce on it immediately because there's a good chance those lines are going to change by the time we get to Saturday uh, when we're talking here live before lock on Saturday. Of course, myself and Pete will be here on Saturday to take any questions that you have when it comes to this UFC fight card. Let's move on to the next matchup. It's a female matchup between Viviana Arujo and Andrea Lee. Andrea Lee, 8,200, 8,000 for Arujo. Pete, what's your take?
2: Yeah, and I think we might disagree on this one, and it's fine, because the 8,200-8,000 fight is always my kryptonite. You know that. Everybody listening out there knows that. Um, But that's why I I try to split exposure on the fight, and it means it's because it's a relatively close fight. Um, You have Andrea Lee sitting at about minus 119 right now, uh, and Otto Ujo sitting at minus 103. So I'm interested in this bout because Andrea Lee has looked like the better fighter of late. Right, like she really looks like she's evolved into a better mixed martial artist. Um, the the past performance was amazing. Where against Cynthia Calvillo, she won by TKO in the second round. Prior to that, uh, against Antonina Shevchenko, won in the second round via submission. Both of those times scored 103 and 115 fantasy points. That is like music to our ears at this price point. Um, Viviana Araujo, on the other hand, just coming off a defeat to Caitlin Jukagian. And, uh, you know, outside of her debut where she found the finish via KO, it's been going the distance. I feel like this is going to be a war back and forth, and it's going to come down to who's able to land more takedowns in the fight. I actually think and have a sneaking suspicion that Viviane Araujo might be the superior wrestler in this situation. Um, She has attempted a lot throughout her fights, as Andrea Lee has as well. I just feel like she might be the stronger of the two. So she went four of four against uh, Roxanne Mo- uh, Motiferi, two of seven against Jessica I, two of two against uh, Alexis Davis, three of three against Talita Bernardo, one of three against Caitlyn Chukagan. It's going to come down to who's able to scramble better. And uh, give me 8,000 Viviani Ujo, where this could be a buy low situation. Everybody's kind of backing the, the hot fighter in Andrea Lee, who looked amazing last time. So I'll be split but I'm back in Auto Ujo.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm back in Andrea Lee in this one. I like what I've seen in her last two fights, two stoppage victories. We, we've seen the takedowns over her past couple fights mm-hmm. as well. She's always been kind of known as a high-volume fighter as well, so I want to get there. By the way, this isn't really related to uh, UFC Vegas 54, but I just want to get your thoughts. Uh-oh. Jorge Maswell's legal team filed a motion Thursday to evaluate Colby Covington's health as part of the battery case facing Maswell Miami. Maswell's team was also granted the ability to inspect the Rolex watch Covington claims was damaged in the legend.
3: Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad, unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice, Samsung, more wow than ever. Okay, round two. Name something that's not
2: that's a circus this whole thing's a circus
1: <laughs> it's it's MMA I, couldn't so care less. Bro.
2: I mean it's a, it's such a circus go away
1: Dude, i I'm telling you this right now if you told me that thing goes to trial and Colby has to take the stand
2: mm-hmm.
1: I would pay to sit in that courtroom
2: I bet you he's a pretty good actor I'm I'm sure he could like have a quivering lip at times while he's saying the the whole thing so man I, I'm telling you that thing's just a mess
1: Oh man, I just I saw that because yeah, because I was like, let me scroll through the timeline, make sure we haven't lost any fights. Because you know, that sometimes can happen. And I just saw that tweet. I was like, oh my god, this is MMA soap opera at its best. I hate it. Oh come on, you gotta love it, bro.
2: Uh Uh-uh. For me as a
1: guy who hosts a MMA podcast, this is great stuff, man.
2: Yeah, see, not for me. I mean, it's I'm a purist, you know me. I'm a purist, so like I hate this stuff.
1: Look, he's I even mentioned just, Conor McGregor. I feel like it's good for an SEO.
2: Yeah, well, he's an idiot, too. But, uh, I mean, these guys can't stay out of the headlines, so.
1: Yeah, man, he's been all over headlines this week, man.
2: It's he's, just, he's, he's checked off more boxes than most people, so. It's look, like, look,
1: I'm just saying this. If Charles Oliveira gets off of Conor McGregor, he doesn't take that fight, he's an idiot. He would take the fight, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course he will be. Uh, and then Mystic up, uh, Mac will come and knock him out in a back right. <laughs> the notorious you, one, don't you forget it, Jason? I'm telling you right now. I, I, like, look, you know, when he fight, when Connor fights in Vegas, I feel like we should all go out there as a team and do a meetup.
2: I don't think that we could afford tickets. Truthfully, oh, I can afford it, bro. They price thing. Listen, when Connor's on the show, it's a completely different. By the time that we go and decide and we get answers from everybody the meet up, it would be sold out. It would just be sold out.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, no, that will be. I mean, like, you you know, that is, you know, you know how Connor is, man. He's, he's gonna sell that fight, you know, even though I think that the the Chandler fight, I think makes most sense for him next. Agreed. Uh, we've always talked about the, uh, trust, do not trust less. Oh boy. Do you trust Michael Johnson 8400?
2: No, I don't. I don't trust either one of these guys, but this is probably gonna make it into the optimal lineup. I mean, you got 8400 Michael Johnson. 11-13 and 13 in the UFC, Alain Patrick 5-3-1. I'm on Fantasy Crunch right now, and when you pull up Michael Johnson, it's a whole lot of red, which means it's a whole lot of losses and underperforming stats. Um, when I pull up Alain Patrick, he's been red in his past three fights, and it's just a it's such a volatile matchup. And I don't know how anybody can trust either one of these guys, and this is a parlay buster where you have the, the notable name, and Michael Johnson where you want to put him in into your parlays and you're like oh he's sitting at minus 150 you know he should be able to do it he's part of a strong camp he throws great combinations he's knocked out some of the best fighters within this division and his amazing wins you know have definitely aged well but his kryptonite and his Achilles heel is his you know defensive wrestling and that's a situation where i think Alan Petrie could have the correct game plan Training with Charles Oliveira again. I'm just high on that camp right now, and yeah. until that camp proves me wrong, I'm going to back them. And I hate to say it, it's not a confident feeling because of how Alain Patrick could not continue in his previous performance. But 7,800 for a guy with grappling and wrestling upside. I mean, we've seen Michael Johnson get submitted in in less, you know, against less opposition. So uh, I'm getting, I'm going Alain Patrick.
1: Go back to the Thiago Moses fight. Michael Johnson looked great in the first round and then gets mid-25 seconds into the second round. Yep. He's just a guy that, I mean, look, you love the striking ability of Michael Johnson. I mean, the guy's always had fast hands. I mean, you know, you, you think about it, this is, a, you know, there's been fights where he's looked great early and then just couldn't finish the job. The Justin Gaethje fight is another example of that. I mean, let's not forget. You know, I mean, it's been a while now, but he did knock out Dustin Poirier at, at 155 pounds. So, yeah. I mean, look, there, there's there's that dynamic there, but it very much is a high volatility fight. Samuel, appreciate you uh, in the super chat, and uh, oh, oh, that's an interesting over under number. I know we only got 11 fights. So that's that's an interesting number. We'll, we'll he talk hit about
2: last that. week. So I don't know. Sam might be on something like Sam's over under hit last week which completely blew my mind when we had what 15 fights or something silly like that. It's just I like, feel
1: I feel like I need to go over to last year to see what Sam's record is on the over under number.
2: Well, uh, yeah, I mean everybody's due for one. A broken clocks right twice a day. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I love you Sam. That I I would have bet my life savings on last week's over under number and I would have lost. And Sam would have been rolling in that mansion as he's talking about. So, uh, props to him. I mean, no, he, he's gotten so much better over the years. and It's been years now that he's been supporting us, so we appreciate you, buddy. And uh, four and a half for this card. I think it's accurate. I do think it's accurate.
1: Um,
3: I'm saying over, but...
1: No, as I more start thinking about the fights, I feel really confident. Yes. Yeah, I think there's one, two, three... There's four fights I feel really confident are ending in stoppage.
2: Yeah, then Caitlin Trikaging is the one that's gonna ruin it for you. The
1: four the four fights I feel confident Span Kutalaba, yeah. Camacho Torres, okay. Johnson Patrick, okay, and uh did I mention uh Grant Smoker?
2: Nope.
1: Grant Smoker, those would be my those would be those four fights I think are gonna end via. Finish. Yeah,
2: I think he's right on. I think he's he's really accurate right now. So I'm gonna say more. And great question. And, yeah, uh, we, we'll,
1: we'll get to his other questions once we get through these final three mm-hmm. fights. Uh Next up, we got a female matchup. Uh Janaroba taking on Hill. Janaroba, 8,500. 7,700 for Angela Hill. I just feel like, I mean, look, you might as well just place a Jana Roba or Hill wins via split decision just because Angela Hill seems to find herself in this. I mean, look, from a cash aspect, I don't mind getting Angela Hill in the spot. If she can keep this fight on the feet, she might be able to rack up enough points in a cash contest. Um, My, my due concern is if Jana Roba can get this fight to to the ground early and really rack up some points.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, a week like this, right, where I'm not in love with a lot of the underdogs, uh, we could have a situation where one solid underdog comes through and say it's like a Viviana, Otto, Ujo at 8,000. Right. And then we have a losing fighter, a part of the optimal lineup. Well, we either want a losing fighter with takedown potential so let's say like an Alain Patrick scores seven takedowns or something before he gets flatlined by Michael Johnson, because I could see that being such a volatile fight. Or we could have a situation where Angela Hill, even in a loss, scores well because she's done it in the past. So uh, she's going to be a very popular underdog. It's women, women's MMA, and, you know, sometimes underdogs tend to cash in situations like this. So I don't blame anybody because on the feet, I do like her volume. She throws a ton of volume, just no power. And when people are able to walk through your punches and engage in a clinch with you, that's a that's a difficult skill set to have when you don't have the best ground game. So um, even in losses, listen to this: forty-two against uh, Lamos, fifty-two against Tisha Torres, fifty-nine against well, that was a, that was a five round, uh, forty-seven against Claudia Gedelia. So like, I mean, th- there's potential of a losing fighter here in Angela Hill. Or it being a closely contested bout, and she gets the nod. So I'm still f- uh, siding with Verna Janaroba. She, her skill set, uh, her grappling is just so much, so much more uh, superior than Angela Hill's grappling. And I don't think that her striking's all that bad. It's bad, but it's not all that bad. It's improved. So I'm going to be picking uh, Janaroba here at uh, 8,500.
1: Of course, uh, one of the things that Pete and I love to see after a fight, so those winning screenshots. uh, When I was checking my DK lineup, saw an awesome user took down the Haymaker contest. Yeah. Also, an awesome user uh, was in our Discord chat, took down the FanDuel contest. Always love to see those winning screenshots. We want to see you go into the also Hall of Fame. Of course, you got to be rocking that also avatar. On your DFS profile, you get that over at awesomo.com slash avatar. Tweet your wins to at awesomo, HOF, and when you finish and you place the top three of the contest with over 5,000 contestants, you'll win a free month of also a plus item. Only one free month can be awarded to a user per calendar year. Congratulations, Sean, taking down the first place there, in the MLB contest over there in DraftKings, taking down 100 Okay. Also, uh, congratulations to Jordan taking that first place in an NBA contest. Walk away with thirty-seven thousand dollars. Kudos to you, Jordan. Also, uh, Mikey taking out first place in the NASCAR contest over there on DraftKings. Taking down. Twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, Kyle Larson absolutely screwed me uh, last week, and uh, I thank you, Kyle. you been really a disappointment this year. Also, uh, kudos to Ben there taking that first place in a single entry over there on DraftKings, winning fifteen hundred dollars. Also, uh, Jacob getting his first big win. Kudos to you over there taking over twenty four hundred dollars there in the NBA contest. Of course, we'd love to see you go into the awesome Hall of Fame over this weekend. Uh, get to another super chat from Sammy says uh, favorite fights is stack due to being 11 fights. Oh, that's, that's an extra. I, I Sammy, I'll tell you, I, I'm still, when it comes to stacking, I really want it to be less than 10 fights. Um, but I could see where in, in a situation like this, I could see where your thought process is. Um, you know, to me, you know, if I'm looking at stacking a fight, I mean, man, it's. Whew, um. I, mean, I hate to say you probably look at the main event. Cause I think it's going to go 25 minutes. If you were, I, I would personally, Samuel, I would not go there, but if you were, I think I would be looking at the main event.
2: Yeah. I mean, to stack, you are limiting your upside, but on a card like this, it's definitely possible that stacking is going to make it into the optimal lineup. Now um, you want high volume or five rounds. So I think the five round the main event makes sense. As you mentioned, I also think if somebody's so, so cheap that even in, if they can have some success for like a round and a half, then they're in an interesting spot. Now, that's a fight we haven't talked about yet, but Petruski has takedown upside with him. Mm-hmm. I just don't yeah. think that he's going to be able to scramble as well as Maximov, And I think Maximov's going to be able to land takedowns like crazy on him in route to a possible submission. So at 6,900, that could be a situation. But I mean, I, I would say the the easy answer is the main event.
1: Yeah, uh, we got two more fights here left we'll to break down. You got Tahara taking on Candelario. Of course, this fight was supposed to take place a couple of weeks ago. However, Candelario uh, comes down with an illness on fight day, so fight does not happen. 7,200 for him, Tahara 9,000. We broke this one down before. I mean, I, I don't think really much has changed. Um, I do want to see what Carlos looks like on the scale, um, mm-hmm. see if we see any, any noticeable with him. Um, you know, obviously Tahara, 22-year-old two-year-old fighter, very young. Green fighter obviously has that that submission ability. If you're, you're Condolario, I think the goal is to keep this one on the ground. I don't mind taking some stabs at Condolario, but I definitely see the grappling upside in, in Tara here.
2: Yeah, so I mean, Candelario is going to want to keep this on the feet for sure. Um, he can land takedowns, but I don't suggest doing that. He, he's a competent grappler, but he gets controlled a lot, and uh, he could get put in bad positions where his opponents can backpack him for a little bit. And that's really what I think could happen here against Tetsuo or Tyra. He's a back taker. He's pretty good at it. Um, lands takedowns, hunts for the neck a lot. Uh, we have seen Candelario get tested in that situation. And even on the regional scene, he's fought some fighters that have tried to implement similar game plan. So I think that for a flyweight bout, this could have a ton of control time. And usually it's not like that because you have the fighters working back to their feet. Um, I'm going to be favoring Tetsuo or Tyra because on the feet, I'm giving the edge to Carlos slightly. Uh, he's a superior striker for sure, but Tetsu or Tyra does enough on the feet to make you respect his striking, and then that's when he starts to really engage in takedowns. So uh, I'm going to say Tetsu or Tyra will work his way to a decision victory here, um, but there is takedown and submission finish potential. So I do think that Candelaria would be tough enough to survive, but at nine thousand, you have to be aware. So I'm I'm picking Tyra to win the belt.
1: Yeah, then, of course, the final matchup, you got Nick Maximov, one of the biggest favorites on this card, taking on Andre Petrovsky. 9,300 for Maximov, 6,900 for Petrovsky. You you kind of teed it up there a a second ago. I mean, look, I think when um, I've known Nick Maximov for a couple years now, I mean, you know, when I think of Nick Maximov, I think of submission grapple. I mean, that's just what I think of. Um, I I think if you're Petrovsky, you know, if I'm in his team, I'm sitting there going, we want to test the stand-up ability of Nick Maximoff. You, you just don't want to make this into a grappling matchup because then you're going into Nick's world.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. And um, I just don't think that that Petruski has the pace to keep up with Maximoff, no matter where this is, because his, his cardio is not the best. It kind of falls off a cliff. Um, he likes to be the hammer, not the nail, uh, as a lot of fighters do. But, um, you know, he will shoot, you know, uh, takedowns from a far distance out. Where I see fighters that they, they could sprawl and take advantage of a situation like that. If he does try to take down Nick Maximov, that's going to be a bad situation because I think Maximov will spin right behind him, take his back, and either control the round or look to choke him out. Um, Petrosky on the feet should have the the power advantage, but Maximov knows what his skill set is. He's going to do just enough, and then he's going to make you scramble and defend takedown. So this is a nice situation for Nick Maximov. in upset of keeping it on the feet and using your you know chuck liddell type of wrestling skills of takedown defense for petroski is how he should win this fight or how he needs to try to fight um but i don't think that he's going to be able to survive maximov's chain wrestling the chain wrestling's great and i think the cardio is going to uh abandon petroski and we've seen him get submitted via a ninja choke on uh the ultimate fighter so give me nick maximov here at 9300 you go from being in the co-main event to now first fight of the night it's quite amazing and i'll tell you what that win over punahela soriano is a fighter that i thought is pretty damn talented so uh, i'm picking maxima pretty heavily
1: yeah of course so uh, let's get into our straight up picks here non-dfs related main events. i will go alexander Rakic. yeah same Rakic. Uh, i will go to kutalaba the co-main event kutalaba uh give me uh davy grant davy grant uh came chukagian chukagian uh i think we're gonna differ here give me my guy frank the tank
2: okay i'm going Manuel torres
1: uh, I will go Jack Hadley, but concerned about potentially potential
2: missing weight. Okay, I'm going Nascimento.
1: I will go Andrea Lee. Otto Ujo. Now, we're, we're really different this week. Uh, I, God, I hate to say it.
2: We we both lose in this situation.
1: Give me Michael Johnson.
2: Yeah, give me Alon Patrick. I mean, it, it's such a terrible fight.
1: You just don't trust either one of them. No, <laughs> That's definitely the problem. Not. Uh, I will go uh, Werner Janaroba against Angela Hill. Janaroba. I'll give uh Tatsuro Tahara against Condelario. Yep, Tatsuro. And then I'll go Maximov against Petrovsky. Maximov. All right. So uh over under four and a half with Samuel. I think it's I'm good. I'm gonna say I'm gonna, I, you know what Samuel? It's a good number. I think it's a good number, but I still gotta go the over. Yeah, I'm going more. Uh top two cash. Uh to me, I, I start off with Davey Grant, and then if I to label a second one. I just don't know if she'll score enough, but I would go Caitlin Chukagian. Yeah, I'm
2: going Caitlin Chukagian for cash. Um, I'm going Maximoff.
1: Uh, top two GPPs for me. Uh, I will go Kutalaba as one of them. A and the other one is, I'll go David Graham.
2: Yeah, Kutalaba is a good one. I will say that. That's a really good one. That's a good pair. Kudalaba and Grant, I'm going to say Kudalaba and Maximoff, obviously 2 high-end uh, options, but uh, I do think that for GPPs, it makes a ton of sense.
1: In terms of uh, favorite underdogs in here, I mean, look, when you look at my straight-up picks, I don't I don't have a ton of underdogs. I mean, Frank Camacho is one of the rare ones, but I mean, there, there's some underdogs here that I definitely want to take some chances on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in a cash lineup, I would take chances on Angela Hill. I don't think I get there in GPPs. I, I, you know, I want a splash of Ryan Mm Span. Manuel Torres is, even though he's not the underdog there. Um, Those kind of ones that the underdogs I would be really looking at. And I think I throw Blahovich in there too.
2: Yeah. I mean, the Blahovich one makes sense, right? I mean, you're getting plus money on a former champ. Everybody's going to target that. And that's probably why he's going to be the most popular underdog on the slate. Understand that when you're making lineups um as far as ceiling i think that alon patrick has tons of takedown potential even with submission potential because of uh, michael johnson's history so i will say alon patrick and it, it pains me to say that cuz i'm a big michael johnson guy
1: of course uh, be sure to hit that thumbs up button subscribe also right here on youtube if you do not you're not currently subscribed hit that notification bell so you know when show is live here on the channel Of course i uh, come up here later on today here in 2 hours will be NLB live before lock uh, favorite inside the distance. Uh, you know, to me, the, the fight same that I'm looking at is span Kutalaba, Grant, Smoka, Camacho Torres, uh, and uh, Johnson and Patrick.
2: Yeah. Inside the distance for me. I, I like Davey Grant. I, I do. I, I like Davey Grant and I like Kutalaba.
1: Yeah. Uh, top leverage plays. I mean, look, Chukagian, just because of her history, will probably be a good leverage play.
2: It's my girl Chukagan, that's the answer
1: uh top dart place
2: the dart throw would have to mean that we really even in a loss right that's where hmm i think oh man it's so so ugly down there is it candelario if he keeps it on the feet you know, is it? It could it could very well be.
1: I was saying Candelaria or Span, just yeah. because of, of the ceiling of span. I mean, obviously, you know, it's it's a boom bust type play. Mm-hmm. But you know, you know, if he goes out there and you can get that first round victory that we see him do, I mean, that's where I, I'd probably look at span as a, a dark play. It's fair. Uh top optimal plays. Uh to me, I, I think you really gotta look at who has the takedown upsides. You mentioned Alan Patrick, I think Ian Kutilaba is another one.
2: Yeah. I would agree. I, I like my girl Viviana Auto Ujo. We differ on that fight, but um, it's a price point that I, I'm always attracted to.
1: Uh, let's see here. We get a couple other questions in here. Uh, Marco, uh, excuse me. Rick says he goes. Are they spitting Maximov because of the UFC issues with Nate Diaz? Uh, no. Um, I also tell you that uh, Maximov is not represented by the same management as the Diaz brothers. Yeah, uh, I mean he, he's represented by First Round Management. Um do It is you odd like,
2: though, going from co-main to
1: to first well, fight of the well, night. Well, it, bro, it's it's just some fights, bro. Yeah, I mean, it's Apex cards. You know, it, it's not like he was a co-main event, a card that they had to put ten thousand people in the building for.
2: I know, but there's like there's plenty of other fights on this card that could be the first fight of the night. I don't know.
1: I think also, I think part of that goes into is how they see the fight going.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think it's. A I mean, like there's
1: like there's certain fights you look at a car and you say, that's the type of fight we want on the main car because we just feel like high probability that fight's going to deliver. Max off Petroski could be a not very exciting fight. Mm -hmm. That's fair. You know, because I mean, look, and you know, this, you know, grappling, you know, I mean, while I enjoy watching some good grappling, there's a lot of people who could care less about it.
2: Very true. A lot of people do not. they'll, They'll turn the channel. They'll, go get a beer, they'll do whatever. But um, I don't know. I think a guy that hunts for a finish with grappling is somebody that's going to excite anybody. Um, But kind of that wall install or just blanket their opponents is definitely something that's not fan friendly. Uh,
1: By the way, question asked if we like the under 10 minutes on uh, David Grant on prize picks. That answer is yes. That's actually one of the plays that really uh, sticks out to me. Uh, Samu says, is he getting punished for saying he is a main card type fighter? I don't I I think it's it's more about the fact of the fighting ability and the fact of the UFC would rather have strikers on that main card than grapplers.
2: Yeah. And and you know, to be fair, as as Manish said, you know, in that card where he was the co-main event, a lot of fights fell out. So I'm just saying he's not a first fight of the night. Like it doesn't represent his skill set. He's much better than that. So I will
1: say this. I was when I first started doing my deep dive on this card. I was surprised when we had 11 fights. I was
2: "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh. These cards are weird because uh, it tends to be Chalk City and it tends to be Split City as well. So, like, you'll see, you know, 200 people take down the, you know, the contest with the same exact lineup. So, if you're trying to avoid that, leave salary on the table.
1: Of course, uh, you got Bellator uh, tomorrow tomorrow afternoon. Uh, Both Pete and I, we do like that underdog value on Michael Page.
2: I love it. I need Michael Page to, see if there's to come some... through for me, bro. I need him to come through for me because uh planted my flag on Michael Page this week, and I really hope. I mean, like we talked about it, Storley really has to put together the perfect game plan for 25 minutes without getting caught. Can he do it? I don't know. I don't think so.
1: Interesting. Uh, so yesterday did the virtual media day for that one, and yeah. uh, Michael Page was – asked about the differences from going from Amazon to going to Storley where he said he goes, it's actually been an easier preparations for him because Storley has more of a uh, a generic type of MMA grappling as opposed to Amosoft just being different. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, Samuel, uh, this card is inside the Apex, so you do got the smaller 25-foot cage. It's always something to uh, take it, it take into effect there. Advantage grapplers. Typically, yeah. Typically, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: because, man, there is not much room to run around when uh, you're trying to get away from that graph work.
2: Nope. <laughs>
1: uh, it's 2000 plus salary left a great approach. Um, it's a great approach if you want to be different, Samuel. Um, full disclosure, I have not even started to build lineups yet. Yeah, um, that will usually be about tomorrow morning is when I start uh, building lines. But, you know, leaving that amount of t- money on the table, same is a great way to, to differentiate yourself.
2: Yeah, it's a good way to get unique. If you're if you hate chopping, then go ahead and leave tons of salary on the table. Doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have the correct lineups, uh, but it just gives you a chance of taking down a tournament by your lonesome. Uh, yeah. Sometimes chopping's better than losing. So.
1: Too last week the guy who won the DK contest and the FanDuel contest it wasn't a chop, they yep. they had the only one lineup, crazy. That's usually you don't it's, that's that's a rarity. That's a rarity. Very hard, yeah. Well, when you when you lose a fight as a, after the fight start, I mean, like, come on, DK, can we get a little weight swap swap, please?
2: Yeah, we need. I mean, or how about not even like DraftKings? How about the UFC waiting? Like, you think that that they just found out that news after the first fight of the night? Come on.
1: This is my guess. Cerrone tried started start to try to work out and he realized he couldn't perform. That'd be my Definitely. guess.
2: Oh, well, let's wait till after the first fight when everybody's lineups are locked well, in. Look, we're yeah. announce, like
1: <laughs> I, I, Pete, I don't think the UFC cares.
2: No, I, they don't care at all. I know. I'm just saying, I just, it, it sucked. It sucked for the view. Yeah. I'll tell you what, it's a tilting experience and it makes a lot of people not enjoy this when half their lineups are done. So. It shouldn't be like that.
1: Uh, Rick, go oh, in on this. I did see a portion of the Pat Berry interview. Um, I would say, I think probably the big takeaway for me was effective. He said it was actually the first time that Rose actually stuck to a game plan. Saying that, um, got a lot of questions on why that was the game plan. It's not the best way i put it. Yeah.
2: Such a stupid. I didn't want to talk about that fight. It's so dumb.
1: I mean, look, man, it's um, it's one of those things. I went back and I watched the fight a second time. I know. Apparently I would torture myself here.
2: You watched it two times.
1: I watched it two times. Yes.
2: You a whole lot of here talk two times. Let me tell you why I'm so pissed off about that. And I'm going to say this real quick because we were at the sports book and we had this one guy in front of us who was convinced that, you know, he's he's all about like the conspiracy theories and whatnot and how Carla and her made a deal that she she wasn't going to get beat up before her wedding and this and that. So he backed Carla like extremely heavily. Oh.
0: <laughs> the second
2: that they read out those scorecards, he stood on top of the table and he started screaming at everybody, pointing fingers, swearing at us about how, uh, how we were all chalk donkeys going after uh, Rose, Nama and, and that this was a clear indication that it was corrupt and whatnot. He was standing on that table, Jason. And trust me, I had some, some nice little, you know, Nice little techniques I wanted to to do to him while he was up there. A little, a little, little front st- kick to the face. A little step behind side kick right off that table would have been beautiful. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm going to constantly hate that experience and hate Carlos Barza every day going forward.
1: Uh, Manish, by the way, uh, Pete, Pete and I had this conversation this week. Why was Cowboy at a taco place the night before a fight?
2: It's a great question. That is a great question.
1: Yeah, I feel like we're at the we're we're at the, the home arena of Pete the heat. I, I don't think I feel like you know because when, when I'm there, you know, I got a certain spot I love to go to. Yeah. You know, I you know, hash house to go go. I just don't feel like Pete, you're gonna join me the night before the fight.
2: No. I said it last week. I, you know, you stick to your you stick to your diet and your regimen until the fight's over. So yeah. yeah, I mean, who knows? What what a disaster. I when that came out, I couldn't believe it. I was like, will we get a, will it work in our favor for once? Maybe like it would have been somebody I was light on. No, it's the fight that I was most heavily on. So whatever. We all, we all enjoy pain apparently. So yes, this week, yes, we'll, we all,
1: yeah,
2: we all this week we'll have to uh, rebound and get some good bounces.
1: Of course. We'll be back here on Saturday for live before lock of course come up here in just under two hours. From now you got MLB live before lock to get you ready for tonight's late baseball slate. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Oswald.com MMA strategy show. We will talk to you on Saturday for live before lock. Have a good day, everybody.
3: Seeing is believing and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the neural quantum processor, because this is an audio ad unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung. More wow than ever. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
0: A laundry? Ooh, a book club.
3: Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino.